Radio Drone. And another time wasting of 55 minutes is upon us. I am Josh. With me, as always, is Brad. Brad? Brad. Hey, how's it going, man? <laughs> Did you forget your name? It, no, I'm, I, I, I said my name. Did, did my audio cut out? Yeah, nothing came up. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> we have a special guest tonight. We have Griff from the More Horror Than Horror Show, who we want to have a little debate with. Hey, Griff, how you doing? Hey, guys, how you doing? It's good beer. No, it's not. Don't lie. <laughs> you can get a hold of us at 1201beyond at gmail.com. I want to bring up real quick, some people have, numerous people have asked, what is the song in our opening? And I'm not going to tell you people, but I'm going to give you a clue. Look at what the title of the show is. I don't want to tell anybody what it is. I want you guys to try and figure this out on your own. So there seems to be a big controversy over people going, what the hell is that song? What is it? Clearly, it's the theme to Oliver Stone's radio days. Or talk radio. Talk radio. radio. I'm like, radio radio days? days. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about, Brad? (laughs) I always get Oliver Stone and Woody Allen confused so many times. See, I like like Woody Allen's films, except for that nervous fellow that's always in them. (laughs) I just genuinely like Woody Allen. We got Griff. Back on his show a couple of weeks ago, he was more or less saying that he kind of likes newer horror films over older horror films. Am I right, Griff? Actually, that's kind of reverse. Uh, I'm more more of an old school guy. I mean, I grew up, uh, obviously, I'm a product of the 70s. Uh, I was born in 72, and beknownst to me, my parents, you know, were quite young when I was born, so I was pretty much raised in the drive-in. You know, it was cheaper just to tab me along than it was to pay a babysitter. So I got to see, you know, I wouldn't say the golden era of, you know, films, but I was, I got, I got to see movies before, you know, video cassette. I got to see movies, you know, at the time, the only way that you could, you know, I was introduced to uh, Friday Fright Nights or Creature Features or uh, Saturday, you know, or Sunday sci-fi, you know, marathons and stuff. So I, those films to me were always more of a calling, you know, it was more of a, uh, kind of a home you know to me more than the newer stuff is today and that theater experience anymore is just is just negative in my eyes i have nothing really to do with the megaplexes that plague our cities and, and our subdivisions nowadays I, I prefer to find small independent theaters and and if i you know find something i like then you'll usually find me you know somewhere sitting in the aisles but uh usually a homebody anymore you know amazon you know a lot of the places on online I get movies, you know, because video stores nowadays are pretty much extinct like the dinosaurs. So I'm just uh, becoming my father, I should say. I've pretty much phoned my nose at anything new unless it really, really impresses me. Well, because I heard you you and Tim, your, your co-host on More Horror, kind of defending newer horror films for being as graphic as they are. It was almost like you guys were reveling in how graphic new stuff is. The graphicness of horror films today have, has their place. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, they've, they've always kind of been there to push the envelope. And what, what we established was is through the progression of film, you know, from way back when Edison did Frankenstein all the way up until, you know, the last Saw movie, you can see the progressions of how far the lines have been pushed, you know, with uh, Elvis, you know, only being shot from the waist up to Alice Cooper to Marilyn Manson. Just in the same way in horror films, you know, the 40s you had the – you know, the universal monster stuff. And then in the fifties, it was more 
uh, more of the sci-fi, you know, what's beyond the stars type of thing. And then and giant the, bugs. Right. You know, well, the Adam Age sci-fi kind of, you know, science fiction was new, you know. So that was the thing that scared everybody or the, the threat of nuclear war from the Russians during the, the beginning of the Cold War. And then through the 60s and stuff, you kind of seen the, the free love rebellion people kind of took it upon themselves to, you know, be more independent and, and shy away from uh, uh, the big money, uh, you know, film companies. And, and that's when you pretty much seen the independent uh, stuff really form and, and, and become created. So where you had stuff like Herschel Gordon Lewis and, uh, you know, the stuff, you know, where it contained a little bit of, you know, more blood, you know, a little bit more graphic nudity, you know, because when Hammer came in, you know, they – they kind of took the Universal Monsters thing to the next step and added a little bit more blood. And boobs. Yeah, that was later, though. I mean, you know, when they first started off, you really, you seen more cleavage than, than bare breasts. But towards the end of the cycle of, of, you know, Hammer, I think they were kind of grasping at straws. You know, the topics kind of got a little bit more farther out there. And they kind of replaced Frankenstein with witchery, and it became more of a topless, satanic type of realm. And, and it just led into the 70s, you know, where we had the kind of the giant bug phase again, you know, with a lot of the Corman stuff was coming out. And the drive-in, you know, the drive-in was pretty much the independent flow. You know, they had the carnival barker, you know, come see this, you know, the movies that, you know, they don't want you to see we're going to show, you know, at midnight and whatever. And the movies rarely lived up to the right. trailer. you know, it was more of a more of a calling to just get you into the drive-in rather than to, you know, you weren't really expecting anything, but if something, you know, was decent and something was entertaining, it was a bonus, you know. And then, you know, we come into the 80s with the with the slasher, you know. Everybody, you know, was wielding a knife and hiding behind a mask, and, you know, you had the camera setups and the jump scares. And, and then, you know, it just seems like everything just kind of stopped being, you know, around the early 90 you know it just kind of slowed down and you know the the remake bubble kind of reared its ugly head you know with the um you know the texas chainsaw massacre stuff popped up and that just kind of you know you had the fly and stuff you know so it was kind of getting to the point to where it wasn't as exciting anymore you know it was just more or less you pick up the local Fangoria, see what was being scheduled for release, and yeah, you might have one or two films that were coming out to the theater, but pretty much anything else was just wasting time with your girlfriend or just hanging out with the guys or whatever, causing trouble, you know. There's a fine line between pushing envelopes and just being gratuitous, and I think a lot of the films coming out today have a tendency to dumb down the audience. I know, you know, horror fans are pretty jaded to begin with, you know, I mean, we're the only genre of film that has a convention. I mean, you don't see too many, you know, comedy conventions out there or dramas or, you know, chick flick conventions, but sci-fi. Uh, well, the sci-fi kind of goes into the same realm of horror. I mean, granted, you know, they're a little bit more different, but usually you find one, you'll find parts of the other. They kind of intertwine. Brad and I are very much, how would you describe it, Brad? Old school in our tastes? Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. I think that, domestically here in the states horror films in general tend to be a little bit more graphic it doesn't mean that they're but they're better by any stretch of the imagination it seems like domestically uh at least mainstream they can get away with a lot more now and it seems like that's really all they 
they try to do, you know. I mean, you know, back in the eighties and the seventies, the Italian flicks and a lot of the foreign ones could could do unspeakably graphic things and then in, and of course in the 60s with Herschel Gordon Lewis and everything I think but I I do agree that nowadays more mainstream they do tend to be a little a little bloodier which there's nothing wrong with that but the movies themselves aren't nearly as good aren't nearly as good as even the uh, the Italian ones of the 1980s the Italian, I mean, granted today with the, with the invent, you know, computers and DVDs and mail order, yeah. you know, that stuff is so much more at our grasp than it was, say, 20 years ago, you know. It is, by by far. Was, They're a lot easier to find nowadays. You know, I mean, I was, I can remember sitting in grade school in the fifth grade going, you know, because we used to have a current events that we asked to go through and, you know, find questions in the paper and on Fridays, me and my a friend of mine, we'd sit in the back and look and see what, you know, new Friday the 13th movie was coming out that week. Yeah, exactly. And we'd go see a Friday the 13th movie or, or a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, and then after the movie, we'd stop by the video store. We didn't know what half of the stuff on, on the on the shelves were. We had never heard of – we never heard of zombie or, you know, and we were just mesmerized yeah, yeah. by huge boxes. So that was a whole new a whole new experience for us. And then today, I feel like children are just, you know, are not so much a product of what they're exposed to, but imagine being an adolescent teen right now and you walk into a saw flick, okay? And say say you're young enough to maybe old enough to catch the first saw. Yeah. And then you, you progressively go through the saw movies. Well, you don't know of Frankenstein. You know, you don't know yeah. of Carnival of Souls or you don't know of Freaks. And and yeah. you happen to run across these movies on late night TV, and you're looking at them going, "What is this? You know, how could anybody watch this? You know, I want debouments, I want decapitations, I want massive blood, I want ex- you know explosive nudity. You know, it's like I said before, sometimes less is best." I can tell both of you exactly which film I think started this current kick: Scream, Wes Craven's Scream. Right. I think that that's the film I blame for this. I don't I, know I, if I, I necessarily would do. Blame I would act to me, you know, not so much the scream, but I yeah. would maybe kind of maybe look at hostile or saw or you know or saw, but not so much the first saw because there was a lot of elements in the first saw that was more mental than it was physical. I mean, other than his body laying on the floor for the entire you know length of the movie, there was really I mean you know they didn't cut into the you know they didn't really show the anything you know, but yeah, the it, hostile. The hostile films, you had, what, maybe 10, 15 mo- minutes of, of storyline, and then basically the rest of it was just torture, you know. With Saw, yeah, when you look at the first one, yeah, I mean, it, it is more of a, like what you said, a mental movie. But the movie wasn't advertised as such. It was advertised as a torture film. Right. And that's and it, it brought in the audience because of that, and subsequent movies would advertise themselves at that, and also at the same time, show a lot more of that like the, the hostile films did with the, with the eyeball hanging out and the right, penis you know, in part but, two you right right yeah but i mean you go back and look at the progression of the saw movies i mean you know take into uh, account the second saw movie the storyline kind of unraveled you kind of got more of the back character establishment of the whole jigsaw character and what yeah he was too but by the time the what the set are we on seven now? It was seven. seven? Three three D was seven. Yeah. Do oh, you really? Ca- 
<laughs> do you really care on how it ends? I mean, what's I mean, when you're in line talking to the guy before the movie starts, what's the first thing brought up? You know, well, how is he going to kill him? You know, how are they going to kill him? You know, this episode. You know, what kind of yeah. traps are they going to see? As far know? as I'm concerned, with the Saw movies, three was the finale. One, two, and three work very good as a trilogy that, in my mind, closed off the story. There's no more story after three. Right. And the same way with Friday the 13th. I mean, in my personal opinion, they should have ended it after part four. But Part five, A New Beginning, that's actually my least favorite. I actually kind of liked that one. I didn't like five. I mean, I could – and and that's another thing, too, is that that I think that what makes older ones – and I'm going to use Friday the 13th Part 5 as an example. I think that what makes older movies and the 80s ones better than the ones now is that a lot of the a lot of the ones now, when they're not good, they're really not good. I mean, they are borderline unwatchable. But at the same time, in my opinion, no, I don't like Friday the 13th Part 5. It, 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 it really is my least favorite out of all of them. But I can still watch it. Maybe right. it's because there's some sentimental value in there. I don't know. But if I'm working on something at the computer and part five is on the TV, I can still have it on. I don't get mad. I don't like the movie all that much, but it's not boring. I mean, it. there is still a certain watchability factor to it and to a lot of the movies back then that – in my opinion, some of them that, that weren't very good, like Friday 13th Part 5. But like I said, I can I can still watch it, whereas nowadays, no, not really. When it's bad, no, it's pretty bad. Well, Brad, you just brought up something that is very interesting. Mm-hmm. With, like, the Friday the 13th series, the Saw series, Hostel, whatever, each movie feels it has to one-up the previous film. And that's why they keep getting more and more ridiculous, more and more gory. To me, Friday the 13th fell apart with Part 7 when they introduced the psychic girl. Part 7, I think, is relatively entertaining. But, yeah, that was that was certainly gimmicky. But I think, I think that's true with sequels in general. I think sequels in general, they always try to top the, uh, the previous one. Yeah, but it, it, it's, it's different when you've got, like, alien to aliens, where, okay, yeah. it makes sense to have more of them. It's well, di- yeah, it's different I, when you have something like aliens aliens to alien 3 where we're going to go back and basically clone the first one and we're just going to make it gorier than the second one but we're not going to sure, try to one up the mean, story. I don't, I don't I don't mean that literally all sequels do that but I think I think in general so to speak most sequels try to one up the previous one. I'll give you I that. I think that I think that happens probably more in the past 15 20 years than prior but uh, yeah, I, I think that a good number of sequels do that. Well, I had a question I wanted to ask both you and Griff. I still have not seen the I Spit remake. I know, oh, it's... Well, Griff, yeah. ju- Griff just sent me a DVD for the first film, which I haven't seen in at least a good 15 years. I'm yeah. going to watch the original again. Am I going to be pissed watching the re- if I watch the remake? The, the, the remake is terrible. I don't know if I was angry because it was about what I thought it was going to be. I mean, I wasn't, there was, <laughs> it's not like I watched it and was disappointed, but it, uh, um, I really, really didn't like it. Like that's one that they really, really just tried topping the first one. And in doing that, they made it completely cartoonish and they made their hero look like a serial killer. <laughs> Well, to be honest with you, I haven't even seen the remake yet. I've been so backed up. I <laughs> I discovered like in the last couple of weeks called Amazon, <laughs> and yeah. I've I've you know I've spent like twenty bucks on Amazon, but I've got like forty DVDs, you know, for my twenty bucks. So I 
I had gotten it. I had put it to the side. I actually just watched the the remake again, or not the remake, but the original again. Yeah. And you know, it's you know, it feels like the original one leaves you feeling like you've just watched a porno, but without the graphic sex. You know what I mean? Sure. It's it's just it's got it's got one of those it's it's just got a vibe to it that after you feel after you watch it you feel like you need to go stand in a hot shower for at least an hour and a half and you want to scrub mm-hmm. every inch of skin off of your body because it just leaves this crazy slimy film on you. I I think I'm going to compare it probably to Last House on the Left to the Last House on the Left remake is probably about as comparison. As I I don't give, and I think it's no have, having seen the two remakes I like the last house on the left remake a lot better than I like the I spit on your grave one like the, the, the to me the last house on the left remake still felt like a revenge movie it still I mean there was the microwave thing you know yeah but but it still it still to me felt like it it was based in some kind of reality the the I spit on your grave remake what what she's doing to get back at these guys are so elaborate that that like it would impress Jigsaw. I mean, it's it's so right. cartoon. It's so cartoonish and well, so that that's because it goes back to the whole thing. You know, I mean, if she if she was to get rid of these guys the same way as they did in the original, when we'd all be sitting there looking at us like, you know, this isn't a horror film. You know, this well, is stuff. You know, I see this on NCIS on a weekly basis. You know, I mean, it's just. I was just going to say, is uh, Horatio Kane going to come out at the end of the the crime scenes, put on his right. glasses, and we break into the Who? I mean, is that the kind of elaborate, over the top crap we're into in this one? Well, at the at the same time, though, when when you're talking about and 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 this is something that I would want to hit on is at the same time we were talking about how it, it's it's a weird vibe nowadays because nowadays you do have mainstream movies that that are that are more gr- graphic and, and you know whatever I, I, I don't really if the, if the movie's good I, I don't have a problem with that I've never really had a problem with gore but um, at the same time though we still do exist in a world nowadays that on the flip side releases PG-13 slasher films which has always been a concept to me that is just so asinine and ridiculous it's the equivalent of releasing a comedy and cutting out all the all the funny parts just the disposable income of the target you know audience i mean that's just you know it's and that's something that just would not have existed in terms of slasher films right in terms well, of I mean, slasher, that is something that would not have existed back in the day, at least as prominently as nowadays. But on the but on the flip side, Brad, you have films that let's let's go back to the before PG thirteen existed. You yeah. had films that are very moody, very scary. Something like uh, Ray Bradbury, Something Wicked This Way Comes. No, I'm very... talking about slasher films. I'm not talking about PG horror. I'm not talking about just. I'm not talking about just PG horror films. I'm talking about specifically slasher movies. Right. Slasher movies that exist to be graphic. A movie like Something Wicked actually turns off an audience by having a PG rating. Yeah. Whereas no, I'm not, I'm not it doesn't need that. to be an R to be scary. Yeah. Well, some of the movies that I remember seeing, you know, back when I was in grade school, you know, they were rated R at the time and we, you know, we snuck in. Nobody checked. Nobody checks now. I mean, no, let's yeah, be exactly. Honest. Yeah, you know, I, I, 
I was a co-manager at a movie theater. Yeah, no, we never did that. I actually saw a kid get kicked out of Hannibal. When, oh, really? When I saw Hannibal in the theater, uh, it played for maybe 15 minutes, and all of a sudden the movie stopped and the lights came up. The manager came in and drugged this kid out. Apparently he'd bought a ticket to something else in the multiplex and snuck in. The kid was maybe 10 years old. They got rid of him and started the movie back up. <laughs> we did, we you know, we did stuff like that when we were little. But, but to be honest with you, the movies that we set through it that were rated R, you know, when I was when I was in school, would would be classified today as PG thirteen. I mean, they not necessarily flicks, but yeah, so, so, so a lot of action movies and comedies would, yeah. You know, I mean, it just, you know, with the time, you know, basically what I was getting to when I, we was on our show discussing, I the, the thing that brought up the topic was, you know, I was debating on whether or not to watch the, the, the movie, the Serbian film. Oh, and, God. Don't get Brad started on that, Griff. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> I had read various reviews about it, and I had kind of taken, you know, bits and pieces here and there, because I didn't. I don't just go to the first review and take to heart what that person says. So I try to get a different variety of different reviewers and stuff. And I try to come to my own conclusion. And to be honest with you, I still haven't watched the movie. I still, from what I've read in reviews and and certain, you know, there's certain topics, you know, that are, that are dealt with in the movie that I kind of not really have a problem with them being filmed, you know, or, you know, being done in this movie. But I just, as my own personal being, have governor on myself is, is am I really do I really need to see that what what is what's what am I going to get out of it am I going to become a better person for seeing it you know should I should I watch this movie and be a you know an honest critic by watching everything that I can and giving it you know with an observated eye or you know should I just automatically throw it to the trash because of what it's contained and just you know and I think you know stuff movies like that are needed you know stuff you know there's certain stuff that has to be filmed and i think it you know us as you know movie you know i don't know i I don't really consider myself a critic i anything but but i think as fans you know we we need that stuff on the shelf to kind of help keep the variety there help keep the momentum going and then the genre but then on the other hand have either of you seen grotesque that asian film I haven't seen that. What about um, you, Griff? The, okay, the film exists solely I, to be graphic. There is no story. There's no characterization. It's a guy torturing a guy and a girl in absolutely medically accurate ways for 90 minutes. And the director said he wanted to see how far he could push the envelope by making a movie like this. Right. Well, what well, I'll say about a Serbian film is that, I mean, it does have a story. It, it does have a story, and even some of the acting is pretty good. But it has, when it gets to its its really, really explicit graphic content, the story isn't strong enough to support all the really, like, blood-sucking freaks, cartoonish right child porn type stuff that it's that it's doing in this like it, it's really just it, it i don't want to say it's out of well it is a lot of it is kind of out of nowhere and just really really ridiculous that, right uh, and <laughs> and you know and that's like there was a movie i watched you know called hanger which i'm sure i don't know if any of you guys have heard of it Ugh, but, the one with debbie like, rashawn yeah but yeah. you know like you said you know there there's somewhat of a story there yeah but when you watch it 
I mean, there's like 20 things in that movie that you're sitting there thinking, you know, this doesn't need to be in here, you know. They Context just is this, everything. Yeah, they just, you know, well, basically, you know, you might as well just not even, you know, even bother with writing a story or, or any putting any characters in it and just give me 20 things that, you know, shouldn't be in a film and put it in a film, you know, and say, well, here it is, you know. Yeah, but that's ex that's exactly how I felt watching a lot of a Serbian you film. Know, I was well, where does that doesn't support anything of the story? That doesn't support anything of the characters. Why are they doing that? Okay, well, that was bad. Well, this is even worse. Well, that was even worse. Well, this is even more worse than what I just seen. How are they going to top yeah. that? Well, they just did top it. You know, a Serbian film. If they cut out the graphic stuff, would you have still cared enough to have enjoyed the movie if it did not have the graphic scenes? Well, I I don't want to pinpoint all the graphic scenes in the movie. And 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 first of all, I mean, like I I I, I certainly don't want it to come across like I'm sounding like a prude or anything. My favorite movie is Caligula. Like I I'm really not offended by graphic content. I think yeah, I I I think that there are some parts in that movie that don't need to be there because they don't they're not adding anything to anything. It would be like if you're watching, you know, some drama that threw a fart joke in like out of nowhere like yeah you know fart jokes can be funny in context is everything like i said fart jokes can have their place you know and in some of the graphic content in a serbian film you know i i i think that in a better movie some of it maybe could have been written better i guess but i don't know because that movie it, it seriously how you were describing that movie just a second ago the movie you were talking about is exactly how I felt in watching this was that you had a semblance of a story there but it just got lost in like a graphic scene that had nothing to do with anything that right. was just so over the top that it was just completely unrealistic but then them, they keep trying to top it throughout the entire movie to the point to where even though there is a story there it just doesn't make any any sense as to why it would really be that extreme. It's just extreme for the sake of being extreme, not yeah. extreme for the sake of it being in that story. Well, Griff, you brought up some movie where a guy is shaving his teeth with a razor or something. <laughs> God. That, that's in a movie called Cold Storage. But see, that, again, by, the way, by the way, Griff, just you saying, you, when you described that, it made my right. teeth hurt. Yeah. It, it when you watch it it makes your teeth hurt. Oh, you know? I'll bet. But, Good freaking god. <laughs> but the thing but the see it's you know to right now this you can debate this, you know, for hours and hours, days, weeks, years, you know, centuries. When when you watch cold storage, it's a different creature. It's it's not it's it's not gratuitous, you know, it's not like Every seven sec, every seven minutes of the film, you got something really vile going on. But there are, there's little pieces here and there that kind of keep it. I mean, you're dealing with a hillbilly, you know, who's sure. you know completely backwards, you know, uh, uh, socially, uh, and you know you're dealing with that whole mind frame of of him being lost, you know, in his own world. Basically, he lives within his mind. And yeah. it's kind of a comical type of thing, anyway. I mean, you know, you have the, 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 um, the, the, te you know, the way they talk and the way they carry their, you know, it's your typical stereotypical hillbilly, do do do, you know, uh, moonshine, you know, backwoods. Yeah. 
but it but it's the movie are, are we talking stories, like are we talking like Cletus from the Simpsons here well it's more like Roscoe and and you know the you know just imagine a horrified Dukes of Hazard you know that okay. whole, yeah you know but the story the characters support the gore it's not just there for sheer blood I mean it's it's kind of needed to support you know the the thing you know because but basically the guy doesn't never had anybody there to teach him from right from wrong so what he's doing he thinks is right he thinks what everybody does you know is shave their teeth with a straight razor you know to get all the gunk and you know because the guy you know hasn't met anybody for you know 20 years you know and then and, and you know he thinks by you know the 16 or 20 some years of rod in his mouth is going to get just scraped away with a razor you know he just it's it's kind of supported and it's not gratuitous. I mean, it's not like every scene is that way. So you're, it's kind of thrown at you and you're like, whoa, you know. And then you go on, you know, probably about another 20, 25 minutes and then you'll see another, you know, something you're just kind of like, well, that was kind of odd and kind of nauseating. But you don't, you don't really sit there going, well, whoa, after that, what are they going to show next? You know, how much more... Yeah. Are they really going to, you know, try to strangle me out? You know. But at, at, on the same token, you've got relatively newer movies. Like, have either of you seen Terror Firmer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny too. But the level of graphicness in it is unnecessary. Like the scene where uh, the the killer is puking in the car with the two uh, goombas, and yeah. it just keeps going. And right. going and going well, and in a situation like that, it's clearly supposed to be. It's clearly done for. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the trauma comedic. A lot of the trauma movies are Looney Tunes, basically real life Looney Tune cartoons. I mean that, you know. I mean when you got a an owner like Lloyd Kaufman, I mean you really don't expect anything too serious to come down the pike. I mean, you know, but but you still have that whole graphic just for the sake of graphic, like the the guy the, the, guy, the, the naked guy that gets his head run over. It's graphic just because they could. Yeah, but that that does it better though, because there's no there's no they're not trying to be a kind a level of of like serious and pretentious like a Serbian film. Like yeah. it's graphic it's graphic for the sake of graphic and terror firmer, but it's it's supposed to. I mean, it's clearly done with with a certain comedic purpose. I mean, it's it's supposed to be it's supposed to be relatively humorous when it happens in something like Terror Firmer or a trauma film. So, uh, in that, I, I actually think it's really funny when stuff like that happens in those because that's that's the point of those. I mean, it just does it better than something else would that's trying to be very dramatic and serious. Okay, uh, how about right. how about on the other side of the token where a movie is ungodly disturbing, and even you could kind of call this a slasher film, and it really doesn't show you much, something like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Yeah. I mean, they they show you almost no gore in that. I mean, really, other than Tom Tolles getting stabbed in the eye and the rape scene, there's yeah. almost nothing graphic in that movie other than the tone and the, and the, the, the feel the acting brings out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. But but you just you hit the nail on the head. You said the tone that the acting brings out. You know that's like I said today. You know today's movies we don't have the writers and and the creative lines that we used to, that we had back in the day. You know now they have to rely on gratuitous you know violence. And don't get me wrong, I love movies like Terra Firma. You yeah, know I'm a yeah. big I'm a big fan of. Uh, uh, 
uh, Olaf Ittenbach, the uh, the German special effects guy. I mean, his stuff is so Peterish, you know, with the heads being blown off and stuff. It's 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 comical, you know. But yeah, again, you know, it's it's kind of like uh, I like to say. You remember the Traces of Death series that came out right after Faces of Death when everybody was when Faces of Death was, you know, everybody found out that a lot of that was fake and staged, how everybody was just so disappointed. Is is that like that band from television where they show, like, Bud Dwyer blowing his brains out for real and stuff? Right. Okay. Right, right, Traces of Death was a film series pretty much like Faces of Death, but it was released by Brain Damage. And basically it starts off, you never see the guy's face. He's just got his back to you at the beginning, and he's talking in, like, this death metal voice, and and it's basically an hour and a half of, of news footage, you know, that, you know, those raw tape feeds of all around the country of executions and murder scenes and car wrecks. Well, when I was in high school, I got a hold of a couple of these, and I'd watch them, you know, on a regular basis. It was something to pull out and throw in, you know, on a Friday night when you had a room full of people, you know, to watch them go, oh, that's gross, and run out of the room, blah, blah, blah. Well, after a while, you get desensitized to it. You know, when you're sitting there eating pizza and food and stuff and you're watching this on TV, you know, you kind of you kind of draw that line where you, you stop looking at those people as actual human beings on the screen and you start just looking at them as entertainment. Yeah. So at that at that point, I, I just I, I quit watching them. You know, I you know, to be honest with you to this day, I don't know where those tapes ever happened to them. I don't know if I still have them, you know, in storage or if I even threw them away for all that matter. But there has to be. Being a horror fan, I don't. I know a lot of horror fans don't like you hear people say this, but there has to be a, a an ethical line that's drawn sometimes in movies. I mean, yeah, it's it's nice for there to be a little blood and guts, but I think a lot of times now it's just it's become gratuitous. You know, it's almost expected. Yeah, uh, it was a lot better to have it kind of unexpected and thrown at you, like at one shot, maybe two shots in a movie where you didn't expect it to where it just becomes, you know, two minutes in right after the credit stops, you know, somebody's, you know, getting their head blown off and, you know, the body count doesn't stop until the, you know, final frame, you know, it, it turns to black, you know. You have the issue, which I don't, I don't rent very much anymore, so I don't know if this is still an issue. You can go and get a gore film from Blockbuster, but you can't get a porn film. Because yeah, yeah, sex right. is bad, death is good. Right. Uh-huh. Well, that's 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 a reflection of our society. I mean, we live in a country that's completely opposite from the rest of the world. Here, yeah. we almost we embrace and, and we overexpose violence on a daily basis. I mean, you turn on any news channel at any time, you know, you don't hear of of the good, you know, that's going on. You know, you hear of you know war reports or or you know violence in the streets i mean look at look at the shows that we have on tv you know when there's ncis you know and then it's ncis new york ncis miami you know you got yeah uh, who done it this you know how many you know how many tv shows now are, are crime investigators have you seen some of the special effects even on the on the television shows that they use i mean on on some of that on some of the the crime investigating shows, the, the special effects are, are just as better, or or even even better than what you see in some of the movies now. It looks more real on TV than it's ever looked on film. Friday the Thirteenth, the series, and Freddy's Nightmares. Mm-hmm. You can't believe how graphic those things were. For, yeah. I mean, they'd be gory by today's standards, let alone yeah. in '88. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, and like, you know, like I said, you know, we, in this country, it's always been, you know, sex has always been a taboo in this country. And, it, you know, why I don't know, but you go to, you know, you talk to people from other countries and, you know, you know, they, they don't might not have, you know, graphic nudity, but, you know, there's brief nudity, you know, even on like yeah. a lot of the shows that you watch on like the BBC America, you know, you'll see brief nudity and stuff over there you know in, in germany and other european countries you know nudity is you know nothing because they're brought up you know exposed to it you know but uh violence and you know in the movies like in in the 80s you know people in britain were going around you know just snatching up horror films because of the graphic content you know they didn't want you know they thought that you become a raving lunatic and go slaughtering people in the streets if you watched you know house by the cemetery in the extras on the uh, Dawn of the Dead remake, the, the the pregnant Russian girl that has the zombie baby, she was saying that right. she was saying that she is actually from Russia and through her childhood, and you gotta remember she's only in her early twenties, so this is only going back to about the nineties, maybe late eighties. You couldn't get horror films. They had to smuggle in bootlegs of American horror films because the Russian government would not allow them at all. The, right, the, she wow. had to smuggle in copies of Friday the 13th and watch them up in their attic. Yeah. And that's you, just weird. But can you imagine how, I mean, just can you imagine how that must have made, you know, I mean, just imagine being 15 years old in Russia and doing that. Can you imagine the exhilaration that that must have, you know, just doing something so... Stupid American with the axe in the head. You know, <laughs> right. I mean... Getting away with something, you know, knowing that the entire, I mean, their their government, not, you know, we're not talking about state or local. We're talking about the government, you know, has put a ban on something, but yet you're, you know how kids are, you know, teenage, hell, we were, you know, hell, everybody was a teenager, but you remember how rebellious that must have been, just the this, this sheer feeling of getting away with something or thinking that you've gotten away with something, but sure. Well, that, grotesque just, mo- that grotesque movie I brought up, that's been banned in England. Nobody had heard of this movie until England banned it. Then all of a sudden, everybody wanted to see it. And that's and that's a lot of movies. I mean, you, you, I mean, you, you'd be surprised how many movies you don't hear about. You know, just because they they've gotten lost or, or you know they just never got the the right you know spotlight put on them that are sitting out there. I mean, there's there's tons of horror films that I've never even heard of that I'm sure I'd probably be picking up my jaw two or three times throughout the entire screening of it if I could just, you know, find out what they are. Oh, but, sure. You know, it's just some of the, you know, I'm seeing, you know, I run across stuff that was made in the 60s and the 70s and stuff that I'm, you know, watching for the first time going, how did I even not know that this movie even existed, you know? And that's oh, that's yeah. the that's the way, you know, cold storage kind of came about is that my co-host Tim McClaws, he calls me up and he's like have you heard this movie called cold storage i'm like no he goes dude i just watched it on netflix he goes it's the most messed up thing i've ever seen so i go to my local video store and actually you know it's one of those movies that didn't rent too well so there's like 60 copies on the shelf used and they're all a dollar 99 a piece so i grab one and i'm sitting there just rolling i'm like well, this is great you know how did i not you know this is redneck zombies you know minus the <laughs> zombies you know but uh but that's that's the fun of the genre. I mean, you know, you know, we it's it's the the hunt. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a treasure hunt when you go into a video store or a pawn shop. You never know what you're going to find. You know, and yeah. for two bucks, you know, it's it's easier to throw two bucks away to me in a pawn shop or in a video store on a piece of trash than it is to go shovel it. You know, in a in a slot machine or something. You know, at <laughs> least I can exactly. at least have a 
if the movie sucks, at least I've got a coaster. I've got something to level the toilet. You know, I can make make use out of a worthless DVD. I just did that with a VHS. I bought bought a movie I've never heard of, a big box. Brad, you'd be interested in this. Big box called Safari 3000. Nice. Have you ever heard of it? I've never Uh, heard of that one. Me either. Mid-80s, David Carradine, Stockard Channing, and Christopher Lee. (laughs) Sold. I'm like, I have to buy this. I've never heard yeah. of it. It's got a great cast. It's it's a it's labeled as a comedy. It's an X rental. It's got a comedy sticker on it. Yeah. So I don't really know what to expect with the, you know David Carradine and Christopher Lee in a comedy. <laughs> right. I don't know what I'm getting into when I finally pop that tape in. Pawn shops are the greatest form of undiscovered gems on video or DVD because you guys you know, suck when it comes to pawn shops. My yeah, the, the got, pawn shop by me, here. the pawn shop by me won't carry VHS. They won't really? even take it in. Oh man, ours has uh, quite a bit. We well, the bad thing about VHS now is it's becoming real collectible now. So everybody's like going through and hoarding every VHS tape they can find and putting it back up on Amazon and eBay and charging ninety dollars for a copy of Gremlins, which is crazy. The witching tape big box with Orson Welles. I want yeah, that from witch, you. My witching big box. Yeah, I found that at uh, the pawn shop here in town, as well as. Uh, that shark documentary with Glenn Ford, uh, Great White Death, I found that recently on a big box. You've got Deep Throat on a big box, man. That's awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Deep Those big box of Deep Throat. Yeah, <laughs> that, one's, that one's pretty easy to find. The deep I got the Manson box. documentary on, on, box, on the big box. Oh, I, was, nice. I would think I was like 50 cents at a pawn shop. I found it. It's a three Manson oh, chicks yeah. holding the guns on the front. <laughs> I've got Alien on a big box. Yeah, yeah, I found that at a Goodwill. They were selling it for a buck. Damn. <laughs> yeah, thrift, thrift shops, pawn shops, you know, Goodwill stores. I mean, anything, you know. So I, I don't, I don't have too many. And I, when I say big box, I'm talking the big ones where you have to open the top and then pull it out, and then there's that set, that second uh, clamshell inside. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I've got uh, the Lazarus Syndrome. The Mercenaries, Puzzle, Show Kazugi's Pray for Death, a couple Elvira ones, a bunch <laughs> and a bunch of G.I. Joe and Thundercat ones. And yeah, and that's yeah. it. VHS, gotta love them. Oh yeah, I still I think, do. I, I think the last time I did a count before I moved, I think I was right around four thousand VHS tapes. Because we had a a family video store here in, in St. Joe that went out of business and I actually one of my friends' his ex wives worked there. So she calls me up on the phone, and she goes, you might want to come out here. We're having to sell all of our VHS tapes have to go. So I was like, all right. Like, How much are they? She goes, well, $10, anything you can fit in a bag is $10. So like, <laughs> all right. Well, my uncle had given me, you know, those big Navy bags that you see, you know, when they deploy out, you know, those big <laughs> So that that was the bag or, you filled for 10 Well, I got four of them. <laughs> so I, I show up, right? And she's like, I go, anything that fits in a bag, you know, for 10 bucks. Oh, yeah. Does it matter what kind of a bag? No. Me and a buddy of mine did two trips, got eight loads. I had, I think we got over six, and we completely wiped out their cult section, their sci-fi section, and their horror mm-hmm. section in two trips and spent 80 bucks and got at least 600 VHS tapes. Yeah. You know, and a lot, of, a lot of stuff is, you know, bad. I mean, a lot of it's, you oh, know, sure. junk. But you know, I, I did something I similar. I did something similar when uh, Hollywood Video went out. All VHSs were twenty-five cents. I think I spent a yeah. hundred dollars that night. 
Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, even if it's junk, I might as well put it in my collection. You know, filler material, you know, makes the shelves look better when you go to display it right. all anyway. So I was just solid. going through, haven't seen that, haven't seen that. Eh, I don't know, cover looks good, you know, kind of yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, I, uh, I do that too, I do that too. It's got, <laughs> have an impressing box cover, well, 25 cents, yeah, I'll buy it. It'll look <laughs> well, good just, on the shelf. Just Who knows, fucking around to watching it. <laughs> how many how many movies were rented just based on box covers alone would be amazing. The money that was just spent off of pure, yeah. oh well, we'll see if it's worth anything or not. You know. Well, what I like is when you find a really old X rental, and you can tell that that thing has got tape hits everywhere. That that this this tape has been played close to a thousand times. Or, or when you get them home and you take them out of the box and the stickers just slide right off because there's no more stick on them. Just... I, I've had that. I actually had, I lost a VCR due to that because it didn't slide off till the tape was going in and it got wrapped around the head. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I lost a VCR to the, that damn no stick em sticky. Oh, man. <laughs> so shelf life. Yeah, I mean, my, my shelves are lined with VHS. And even even my wife can't believe she doesn't understand. I mean, I think Brad and I have talked about this. She doesn't understand the concept of it. Doesn't matter that I've already got it. It's still a rare tape. Why can't I buy a second one? It's only a dollar. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's it's like everything else. You know, when VHS was here, you know, and DVD was on lurking on the horizon. You know, everybody was like, oh, you know, I'm not going to buy everything I've got. You know, on VHS, I'm not going to buy that on DVD. That's stupid. You know. And that's what I said for the longest time with Blu-ray. I just, I was just like, you know, I did it for VHS. I did it for DVD. I'm just not going to go the Blu-ray route. I'm just not going to do it. It's just stupid, you know. I still say that about Blu-ray. You don't even have but, one yet, do you? Or did you ever ever I, I, cave I don't in? Have a, I don't have a Blu-ray player. Well, about about three weeks ago, I bought a new laptop and it had a Blu-ray player on it. So now, now just to say, I'm up to about 24 Blu-ray discs. So it's just. And it's all stuff I've already got, you know, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, you know. With, I yeah. just got Texas Chainsaw Massacre today, and I'm like, do I really need a 12th copy of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Now I got it on Blu-ray, but, mm. you know, there's some difference, you know. Granted, if I had a 52-inch, you know, flat screen, 180, well, whatever they call it, you know, screen, I'm sure I would really be amazed, you know. But I usually well, just... And and also and we've we've talked about this before and that like uh something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I don't really wanna watch in high definition. Right. I don't I, I don't really wanna watch it like that crystal clear and everything. To me and the I, movie looks I, weird widescreen. It really does. I, I totally agree with you one hundred percent, but where they get you is they put extra bonus stuff on that you don't have That's true. on your DVD. Uh, yeah, it, and I mean, you know, and being a fan of the genre, if I can see a 15-minute clip with Terry Men describing her events on the on the set, you know, and it's only available on Blu-ray, then yeah, I'm going to be the sucker and spend the 17.99 to get the Blu-ray, I guess. But that's that's the same reason why I would buy certain stuff on on DVD that I that I had that I already had on VHS, you know. So I I can certainly. I can certainly see that if if you're just getting it for the extra features, but I, I just I haven't I haven't that hasn't happened to me yet, and that I Caligula that I sit there and say, oh man, I really need a Blu-ray player. Yeah, like well, Caligula, like 
if I would buy Caligula on Blu-ray just for my collection, like even if it, which I think it is on Blu-ray, but uh, well, what if it had a whole extra disc of exclusive Blu-ray bonus features? If it had a whole extra, if Caligula, my favorite movie, yeah, if it had a whole extra disc of rare extra features that I could only watch on a Blu-ray disc. Yeah, that would be that would be the situation where I sat there and I would I would sit there and say, "Crap, well I I got to buy a Blu-ray player now." But it would be just to watch that. It wouldn't be yeah. a situation where like, "Oh, well now I'm going to buy a bunch of Blu-rays." Because but, um it, to me it was Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat yeah. was the movie that pushed me over. DVD, Baron. Blu-ray, yeah. commentary track, deleted scenes, interviews, history of Halloween. It's like, oh, crap. All right, I got to buy a Blu-ray because I love that movie so much. Well, for you me, know, with, and- with DVD, with DVD, it was also, the for me, the appeal of DVD was I, I would get all of these movies that previously weren't available on VHS, a lot of the Italian stuff and whatnot. And and a lot of those, even if they would be available on VHS, they would have been like severely edited. So D V D for me had had that appeal to it as well that I could that I could get a lot of stuff that I couldn't get before. That's a good discussion for another episode, Brad, because I'd like to mm-hmm. talk about that, that the only way you're ever going to see the uncut real versions of some of these films is the D V D or now probably the Blu ray. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's unfortunate and, for VHS hounds like you and I. It is, yeah. And don't and don't even don't even go beyond the domestic release and start getting into the exclusive European oh. releases of some of these films because it's it's mind blowing the stuff that gets released over in Europe compared to how it's released in the in the states. It's just oh sick sure, and, sure, yeah. You know, that's you know you're you're mortgaging your house for a third and fourth time to even come close to picking up half of that stuff. Yeah. Do, yeah. do Blu-rays have region lockout the way DVDs do? I'm sure. I'm sure they do, but I don't know. You know, I've actually. I no idea. I'm sure there might be, but I've actually heard of a couple of them actually being released uh, released region free. So I don't know. That might be a a whole new deal. Because know? I think that'd be interesting if it's a mo- especially if it's a movie that's unavailable in the U.S. and the Blu-ray is available, say, in China, uh, legitimately in China. And you importing that de- that Blu-ray? You know, I mean, there's domestic, there's movies, there's movies that were made domestically that are on sale now over in Europe that have never been released here domestically. I just know? I oh, just yeah. got one uh, Jello Biafra starred in a 1990 Canadian TV movie called Terminal City Ricochet that I just got on DVD and I loved it and I started asking myself how did I ever miss this movie and I went and found out other than airing on Canadian TV and in, in 1990 it's never had a, a video release. Yeah. So it's, it's like that's why I've never seen this movie before. Yeah, the, the under the underground on the film market is just crazy. I mean, it's it's like a spider web. I mean, it's just when you when you think you've got one line all the way to the center, it branches off and goes completely off to the left somewhere, and then back to the right. And you just you, you ten years down the road, you'll be finding stuff that that came out ten years prior. Then you're like, well, why wasn't this ever in the United States? Well, it's been over in Europe for you know twelve years on DVD. But yeah. over here, it just doesn't have to have that market stability where they want to release it. So, so all right, I, I hate to cut you guys off, cause, but we're out of time. You can get a hold of us at 1201beyond at gmail.com. You've wasted another 55 minutes with Radiodrome. I want to thank Griff <laughs> for being here. And Brad, you want to say anything? Don't you have a DVD coming out? Oh yeah, uh, uh, I do have to get that put together sometime. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're we're making a. Uh, not sure when it's going to be. Really- 
release, but we're making a, a Cinema Snob DVD with all of the public domain episodes, current and public domain ones that I did in the past, awesome. with a bunch of extra features. <laughs> It'll be nice to see some of the past ones in good quality. YouTube days. Yeah, YouTube days, exactly. Because <laughs> that's the only thing that disappoints me about going through the archives on your site. The quality yeah. on some of those early ones are so... I mean, I'm not talking the quality of your shooting. I'm talking the oh. quality of it's such a tiny little video file. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, some of them I had trouble converting uh, from YouTube over to, uh, to Blip. Well, you, don't you have the source file? Actually, I, I for those episodes, I didn't have the source file because uh, I, I forget what happened. Uh, the computer I was using at the time a few years back, it, it blew out or something like that. So I so the, yeah, there's a lot I, I don't have the source file for. Damn. I'm going to say goodnight. Griff, say goodnight. Goodnight. Brad, say goodnight. Goodnight. Goodnight.